Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is a View from the Bullens podcast. Listen to all the news, views and inside track from Goodison Park. This is a View from the Bullens podcast, sponsored by The Beer Keller, Liverpool One. Hello and welcome back to another episode of You from the Bullens. And it's the Square Pegs Round Holes episode of myself, Ben Wynn Stanley, joined by the Bobble for this one to talk about all things Everton to answer a few questions. I've just put out a tweet and getting a few questions in. First one straight away, I kind of knew this was coming for me. Uh, Bobble's been asking me all day. Do you 100% back Sean Dice still? And this is from Sean. Um... It's probably the question everyone's lips bobble, to be honest, isn't it? Mm. I feel like it's probably up to me to answer this one first, because I'm the one that's kind of... You're probably his biggest fan. Probably his biggest fan. And I'm going to try and answer this as honestly as I can. At this moment in time, I don't want the manager sacked. And I'll go into a bit more detail as to why. My views around Sean Dyche are that at this present time, and I mean right now, today... Mm -hmm. If Everton, if it's 777, if it's Farad Mashiri, whoever, whoever actually does make that final decision, that's another equation. That's probably for another question for everyone down the line. Is it the board? Who, who will pay the money, the compensation? But if you get rid of Sean Dice today, you go out, you look around Europe, there's obviously a few names. Lepetigu, uh, Wolves manager, is probably a name. Glasner, probably a name. Graham Potter is probably a name. Marcelino is probably a name. If I'm taking off my Everton hat, would any of these managers come to Everton Football Club right now? A club in probably its, its biggest ever transition, a club that needs some sort of stability, a club that doesn't really know what direction it's going in. I'd probably say no. I think right now that if we sack Sean Dyche, there'd be no more plan in place. I think the chances that we are creating under Sean Dyche, I think we've, I know a lot of people don't like the stats and you know the XG side of football, but... We have missed 18 big chances this year. We've got a very big XG. We are generating a lot of chances. But my biggest concern with Sean Dyche, and I said it on the podcast post-Luton, is I thought that Sean Dyche would come in and make us a lot more resolute, mm. a lot more defensively sound. What he was good at Burnley for was you had to work extremely hard to obviously get your goals. And you look at that Luton game, two balls into the box, and we're 2-0 down. It's worrying that we haven't obviously kept a clean sheet. We're shipping in goals left, right and centre. Even, you know, our home form, four losses in four, is completely unacceptable. Regardless if you're playing unbelievable football, if you if you lose four home games out of four against uh, Wolves, Fulham, okay, Arsenal, fair enough, and then Luton, to not get a single point out of them four would leave any manager in question of their job. Mm. So it, it's so difficult. I'm kind of like just 
trying to sit on the fence. We all call for stability. Obviously, we've had eight or nine managers in the same amount of years. And they've, they've all not been bad managers. You know, Marco Silva maybe got the ball a bit earlier. You know, Koeman, the, the recruitment was an absolute shambolic. We didn't really, really fancy it. You know, Carlo Ancelotti, that the home form under Carlo wasn't anything special, but we had a great away record. There was no fans in the ground during COVID. Um, all factors that are, are coming in. And it's, <laughs> look, I just want some sort of stability. But ultimately, this Saturday against Bournemouth, is probably Sean Dyche's biggest test. I think getting beat by Luton has just completely wiped off that Brentford result now, yeah, which was a great result for Everton. We beat them, you beat Aston Villa, and then obviously now you play Luton and you get beat. It's like, come on, you've got to start winning football games. We do need more from Sean Dyche. I will quite happily say that on this podcast right now. We need more from the manager. We need more. We need them to give us more. We need to make us defensively sound. We need to coach the players. We need to start... As you said on the last podcast, putting players where they should be. Mm. Don't start trying to, excuse the pawn, square pegs round holes. They're playing James Garner on the right of midfield when you've got Dan Juma and Havison on the bench. And I'm going to bring you in then, Bobble. Sean Dyche in and out. You're quite, you know, level-headed. You're quite, I'd like to say, you're, you know, the voice of reason a little bit. Sean Dyche out or in? As of today, right now, you can't sack a manager unless you have a plan in place, i.e. you have someone lined up. Last season, Leeds sacked Bielsa, didn't really have anyone lined up and ended up getting relegated. Leicester got rid of Brendan Rodgers, bought in Dean Smith again, wasn't really a plan, it was a bit of a who else is available, got relegated. Southampton, again, the same. So you've got to be very, very careful that you don't sack a manager and then be left with nobody and then three, four weeks down the line, you're still scratching around for a manager. I, I, I agree with you. I think the issue is, is when, look, f- football is quite simple, isn't it? In terms of a manager is there to improve the team, get decent results, but not, not just get decent results. It's get the decent results at home. If you keep the home crowd happy in football, you, you're normally okay in a job. David Moyes didn't have a great away record for many, many years, but Goodison was a fortress, so it was always it was always okay. Moyes' away record was not great for a long time, but because his form was so good at Goodison, it levelled out. Now, our away form is okay under Deutsch. It's, it's better, obviously, than it is at Goodison, but it's not spectacular enough to level his home form out, and that's the issue. So... Am I Deutsch out as of right now? I'm not. I think that would be a tad hasty. I could see the reasons for getting rid of him. But I think it would be a tad early. And by I mean a tad, I think there's a lot riding on Saturday. I think that's a big game for him. Not just a big game in terms of the result. He needs a reaction. He needs a reaction from the players, from the team. And I think that would be quite telling on Saturday of where Sean Dyche's tenure is at at, at Everton. Um, but again, we, we've got to be very, very careful in terms of, one, we don't keep a manager on for too long because for the sake of it, we did that with Frank Lampard and it nearly took us down. But then you've also got to be careful not to sack him too early. It's, football's all about timing. It's all about time in football. Um and, and I, I just think if we sacked him right now, I think that would be a little early and a little hasty, especially coming off the back of, you know, two really, really solid results on the road at Brentford and Villa Park. The looting game is, is obviously a, a, a sickening result in reality. It's an absolute hammer blow. But I think we've seen enough over those two games previously to suggest... Well, you know, the players are playing for Sean Dyche. There's no, you know, they haven't down tools. Uh, I don't think everything's rosy at Finch Farm. I'm not going to lie. I don't think it's all rosy. Um, well, I know it's not all rosy, but they haven't down tools. Um, and, and like I say, they've got a couple of good results before that Luton game. But I think this Bournemouth game is going to be a real, real indication of where Sean Dyche is, is, is tenure is currently at at Everton. The, the fans are turning. There's no doubt about that. Evertonians are now turning. And I'd say I'd say more so than not, 
Blues now want him out. Again, I, you know, I, I always say I can't talk for Evertonians, but judging on social media, I'd say that the, the, there's a higher percentage now for Deutsch out than there is for Deutsch in. But ultimately, it, it's it's different when you're in the mountain pot and when you're running a football club. And obviously, with the precarious position that the that the club is in off the pitch, we're not a normal club, and that also has to be taken into consideration in terms of we're not being run like a normal club at the moment. We're in the biggest transition this club's probably ever been through. And, and is going through right now. We've got a hearing on October the 25th. Um, so if you did sack Sean Deutsch, you, you've got to have a plan, and the plan has got to be, well, who's coming in? Who's coming in for starters? Does that person want the job? Do they know that the, the remits that they'll be coming under, the scrutiny that they're going to be coming under, the restrictions they're going to be coming under? Uh, do you let seven triple seven have the pick? I think you'd have to. I think they'd have to... I think they would have to be heavily involved in the selection of the next manager. I, I think that's fair to say, judging it's their future assets currently. Um, I, I just feel like as bad as it's been and as bad as things currently are, you know, what, seven home defeats in eight, eight goals since February, um, you know, 13 defeats in 19. Sean Deutsch is a seasoned Premier League manager. And in terms of Premier League, he's now pretty much a veteran and he did prove last year that he could keep Everton up. Now, I'm not saying that that's acceptable this year, just to stay or just to stay above relegation, because I do think this team's a little bit better than that. I do think it is. I think it's as good as Wolves, for argument's sake. I, th I think it's better than Sheffield United. It's better than Burnley. It's better than Luton. You know, Bournemouth are, Bournemouth, are, Bournemouth yeah. are a mess currently. Wolves are no great shakes. There's five clubs straight away. And I and I'd argue that there's a couple more that, in my opinion, in the mix. are no great shakes. Brentford. Yeah. Brentford are struggling currently yeah. right now, no great shakes. So I don't think it's acceptable just to say, well, just, just try and keep us up. I think we've got to be a little bit better than that. I think you've always got to aim a little bit higher than probably where you're going to finish. You know, we've got to try and aim for 12th, 13th, but maybe come in 14th, 15th, so to speak. But as of right now, going back to your question... No, I wouldn't sack him right now. No, I wouldn't. Not ahead of this Bournemouth game. No, I wouldn't. Um, if you look at it in, in context, we had three games in seven days and he won two. So if, if you were sitting down with Mr. Deitch in the boardroom, he'd say, well, I've won two out of three in the last seven days with, a, a you know, number-wise, a small number of players that we have as a squad. And I won two out of three. We all would have took that. I'd we argue, said six points, didn't we? Yeah, we said six points. I mean, I mean, if if you flip it, if, it, if he'd have lost to Villa, but beat Luton, we all would have been very happy. We all would have been pretty satisfied with that. I think so too. But I think the Luton game was, because he'd done the hard work in terms of Brentford, he then backed it up in a cup and think, right, we've got a little cup run now. And then you go lose to, you know, probably the weakest team the Premier League's ever seen. Or one of the weakest teams it's ever seen. Uh, and the manner of the second half and everything that went with it. So I, I think he's got a lot of you know a lot of questions to answer, and that's what I said on the post-match loot, and I do think he's got a lot of questions to answer. Not just him, Ian Wong, Steve Stone. I think they've got a lot of questions to answer as well. And it's not just going forward that these guys should be coming under scrutiny now because, yes, we all know, you know if you're an XG fan, if you're a stat fan, that's fine if you're a stat fan. I have nothing against that. But... You can't always blame it on whether well, the players miss chances, the players miss chances. Well, ultimately, there's, there's more to a game of football than that. And let's be honest, I'll be brutally honest with it. Defensively, I think we're weak. I think we're really, yeah. really shoddy. I don't think we look coached defensively at the moment. We're all over the place. Luton had done their homework on us, knew exactly what they were going to do with set pieces, and Everton had no answer. Now that's not now that's not because Luton are better players than Everton, because. With all due respect, their players, for argument's sake, are no better than jumping up in the air and winning headers against Everton. That, that's not the case. That is a plan. That is a system that they've implemented for that game or maybe over the previous weeks. And Sean Deutsch, didn't, they didn't have an answer for it. But, you know, we had numerous warnings from set pieces. They could have scored a couple. Um, and I don't think, again, defensively, I don't think we're very good. I don't. We, we do concede. We always concede goals. We always do. Um, even when teams don't deserve a goal. You look how easy it is to score past Everton. The Brentford goal was a shambles of a goal in reality. Yeah, it was, a yeah. complete breakdown in the team goal. The Villa goal, really, really soft goal to concede. The two Sheffield United goals, really, really soft. The Wolves goal, a little flick into the corner, 
really soft. The Fulham goal, back post, it's really soft. Now every goal is soft. It's just switching off. It is, and every goal is every every, every goal is soft. But but when it's a worldie, when it's a fantastic goal, you can hold your hands up and go. The Arsenal no, goal. You go the Arsenal, the Trossard goal. Brilliant, brilliant goal. Okay, we maybe could have got a bit tight for the short corner, but it's a fantastic finish. And you hold your hands up sometimes and go, that that is fantastic football. That's a brilliant piece of individual skill. But I don't think it's very often when we concede goals that we can turn around and say, there's nothing we could do about that. That's just fantastic football. It's not very often. Normally, under Deutsch, especially this season, when we do concede a goal, you can look at it immediately and go, that should never have happened because of that and that. And that was really poor. And ultimately, for a manager that is known or was known to be really, really solid defensively and really tough nut to crack and be really resolute and rigid. I haven't seen that. And I don't think we have seen that, especially this season. We haven't seen that. It's It's been anything but, you know, if Luton had more about them, they, they probably could have got a third if they had anything about them, but they didn't. Um, and I think I think just as much as we're scoring goals, or, you know, we're struggling to score goals, should I say, sorry. Keeping the ball out of the net, that is my biggest worry. Moyes was the master. And I, I, I always say this on this podcast. I, I hate going back to the Moyes era because that was kind of our era. Walter yeah. Smith and, and sort of thing. Bit early. Yeah, bit, I, was, I was a bit young and then it was more Moyes. And Moyes was fantastic at, if things weren't going well for Everton over a little period, he would go back to basics. And go back to basics would mean we would shut the door and shut up shop. And it'd be, we're getting clean sheets. We're going to go for clean sheets and we'll just try and nick a goal. Now, Deutsch can't get clean sheets. He can't seem to get them. And he can't seem to organise the team enough to get clean sheets. Now, again, some Blues may feel, well, it's the players, the players aren't good enough. And, and that, that, that may be a fair argument. However, my counter-argument is Luton are scoring two pastors. Sheffield United are scoring two pastors. This shouldn't be happening. These, in reality, are championship teams and they're scoring two goals passes. That shouldn't be happening under any circumstances. These are really, really poor teams, like really poor teams, and they're finding ways to score past us. Um, you know, you look at the Villa game, the four goals, it could have been seven or eight that day. It was an absolute car crash. And I just don't think he's got to grips defensively yet. And I think we could all sit there and say, a centre-half pairing of Tarkovsky and Branthwaite is pretty decent. It's a it's a decent Premier League centre-half pairing. Branthwaite's up and coming. I think he could go all the way to the top. He's got all the tools to be a top-class centre-half. He, he, he reeks of Man City in a couple of years or a year or two years, whatever. He reeks of it. He's got it all, both-footed, brilliant on the board, commanding, good in the air, good range of pace, good brain on him, calm on the ball. He's, he's got the lot. And if he bulks out maybe a little bit more, a bit more experience... There's no reason why he can't go all the way to the top. There really, really isn't. And I don't say that lightly. I really, there really isn't. And Tarkowski, whatever, he's a seasoned Premier League centre-half. He knows the score. He knows the crack. He knows what it takes. OK, the full-backs are, are a slight issue, granted. But nevertheless, there's enough there in the spine of that team not to be conceded. The amount of chances that they concede and also the amount of goals that they concede. Given who we've played, Wolves... Fulham, Luton, Sheffield United, Brentford, Aston Villa. There's been no clean sheets. Doncaster, no yeah. clean sheet at Doncaster. People forget about that Doncaster game. Doncaster should have scored two or three. They had some big chances in that first half. It was a shambles, an absolute car crash. So as much as Deutsch always talks about the XG and not finishing chances and, 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 you know, we need to be a bit more ruthless. Yeah, that is fair. I think we can be a bit more ruthless in areas. Yeah, I think we can. However, for a manager that is known or was known to be so solid defensively, organised, rigid, tough nut to crack, you'd have to work very, very hard, extremely hard, in fact, to, to, to create a chance against his teams because they were so well-disciplined and organised. I, I haven't seen any of that this season, especially under Sean Dodge. And that's probably my biggest worry, mate. That's probably my biggest worry. Not, not the fact we're not scoring goals because creating chances and missing them, it's a negative, of course, because you're not scoring, but you're creating chances. Eventually, it will, it will come. It will come in terms of burying a couple more. It will because 
It's the fact that you're creating chances. When you're not creating chances, that's when you have something to worry about. They dry up and you think, we're not creating chances here, but we are creating. So that will come, you'd like to think, regardless. So they just keep creating chances. But it's it's the other end that's a really, really big worry for me. And and it's 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 evident in Jordan Pickford's body language and and his manner. You know, we, we get beat to Luton on, on Saturday, Pickford straight down the tunnel. He looks so frustrated and annoyed and you know, excuse me, like he looks pissed off. He looks really, really annoyed. You know, two goals against against Luton. It's it, it's pathetic. Um so yeah, would I sack him now? Going back to your original question, no. And, and at the moment, with the way it's going, the manner of it, and again, you have to look at everything as a whole, collectively, off the pitch, the fan base, obviously the ownership, I mean by off the pitch, then the fan base, the players. I think you need to talk to some of the senior players. I also think you need to have a little scout around, see who's available. Would anybody of of who we would want, of the club would want, be interested in coming into Everton as manager? Um, I think all these things have to be taken into consideration. And because of the position that Everton is a football club, this isn't a simple scenario. This isn't a normal soccer manager bring someone else in. This isn't a normal one, unfortunately. And people might not like to hear that because people may want Deutsch out. And that's fine. That is absolutely fine. However, I'm telling you, this isn't a normal scenario now that we find ourselves in. Again, we're going through the biggest transition this club's probably ever been in. And we're currently in that you know, holding pattern as a club right now. Everyone's in a holding state until it goes through, in, you know, in, which we're penciled into to be finalised in December. So it's not a normal club right now. And it's a difficult one. Um, but I think obviously ahead of Bournemouth, no, I wouldn't sack him ahead of Bournemouth. That's what I'm saying. No, I wouldn't. Uh, and, and I'm hoping if I was in charge, if I was the owner or whatever that may be, who makes the decision at the moment, I would hope now that we would get a reaction on Saturday. But but a lot of it would depend on Saturday, mate. I'm not going to lie. And, and I'd, I'd sit tight and wait till Saturday. The great thing is, after Saturday, we've got two weeks and then you can make some sort of decision and have a think. But I just think if we sacked him right now, I think it may be a game early, a little bit hasty. Yeah, probably probably a, a good and fair summary there, to be fair. Yeah, it's it's one of them things. I think people are talking on Twitter, like who would make the decision? Well, ultimately, Everton's board make the decision on like the you know the ongoings at Everton. But who pays the money? Mashiri's given up. We've got bounce back loans to try and get us through day to day. So ultimately, it, it, that, like you said before, the cost of like getting rid of Daesh's backroom staff, whoever else he brings. It's probably going to be a, a fair whack. To yeah, be and fair. It, uh, yeah, it is. And and if you want then to employ a manager that's in a job, you have to pay compensation there as well, and that could cost millions and millions and millions. Um, but at the moment, obviously, seven 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 are advising the football club on an unofficial capacity, obviously because for legal reasons they're advised. So they would have to be involved in 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 that decision. They would have to be, you know, they would have to advise what they want as well and where they see the club going because it's their future asset. As you, as we all know, we have a current owner, Mashiri, that has checked out. Yeah, he's done. He's finished. Um, so yeah, as, I, I think you'd have to lean on Kevin Thalwell, um and see what he thinks. Speak to the senior players, and then speak to Triple Seven in, in terms of Don Dransfield, Josh Wonder, and see which way they want to take the football club. And I think it'd be a collective decision between Thalwell um, and and Triple Seven. I think those three, Wonder, Dransfield. And Thelwell, I think those three would be the driving force behind any any potential change or potential efforts to to acquire a new manager. Um, but again, it, it's 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 a lot of money, mate. It's going to be a lot, a lot of money. Yeah, exactly, and that's ultimately what we haven't gotten. Just one last point for me on Sean Dyche. I just think he needs to stop playing the players square pegs round holes. Likes James Garner, right midfield. It's just not you. You moan about whip from the post match conference, uh, the manager talk, and then. You, you you try and like say we didn't have any whip, but you put James Garner there who wants to mm. play inside because he wants the ball. How frustrating is that? It, it's frustrating. Look, I'm a, I'm I'm a backer. Don't want him sacked, but you can't be saying stuff in press conferences like that and then playing James Garner on the right in midfield because his natural game is to go inside and get the exactly. ball. Um, but moving on, Carl Riley has asked about Josh Wander on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, First of all, what did he smell like, and what was the uh, <laughs> what was the the suit and cap? Um, I I'd had a few wines. He wears a better cap than you, actually. He does. Few wines, few drinks, and he actually commented on my aftershave. Said the the one million was giving him a headache because I was absolutely <laughs> soaked in perfume. But no, I, look, I just went up to him and said, look, 
you know whatever happens you've got a, a lot of work on your hand uh, on your hands and ultimately just a point football and people in football and positions that's all you want make yourself sustainable um the the quote smart money not hard money was mentioned um which probably speaks volumes to say they're not going to come in and spend absolute millions like Mashiri did and mm. pump in you know two three hundred million pounds into the football club because I think even if we were bought by some state ownership that we couldn't go out and spend millions and millions of pounds because the club is ultimately still running at a loss. So it's all going to be about clever business, clever business deals. And look, my thoughts on 777, I don't know enough about them. That There's some, a lot of negative press out there, but ultimately we just don't know. You know who's going to be where, what football and business-wise are coming in. I do believe that they will appoint football and people within the remit of Everton Football Club. Because I think Josh Wonder happily will hold his hands up and say he doesn't really know how to run a football club. He's going to allow other people to do that, which we've been asking Mashiri to do for years. I think the likes of the communication, the trying to speak to people, the trying to engage, the trying mm. to speak to certain individuals and people, and just to explain what their thoughts are. I think people are scared of them coming in, assets stripping, selling the stadium. Ultimately, they need to just make Everton self-sustainable. Um, I, I, we can't be asking for overnight improvements as much as I'd absolutely wish to say, like, tomorrow we're going to be like Man City. It's going to take years. It's going to be a plan. We need some sort of structure. We need to improve commercially. We need to improve on and off the pitch. And in the brief cameo that, that I came across, he, he seemed like a, a you know an all-right fella, but I don't know enough about him to, to make any comments with, you know, with private life and, and other bits and bobs. So, yeah. That, that 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 was the interaction. A, a drunk me going up to to Josh and saying, <laughs> "Where's your cap on?" It's probably worth about a grand to be honest. This cap. <laughs> I think. I think. I think what we've got to remember is this football club hasn't got into this position overnight. This football club has got into this position off the pitch. I mean, now it's got into this position over the course of of a number of years of mismanagement. So anybody coming in to take over this football club would not be able to solve it overnight. Even if you got unlimited money, this wouldn't be solved overnight because money doesn't solve everything. It doesn't. And I think that also has to be taken into consideration. And for all their question marks that they have over them, 777, and rightly so, there should be question marks, there should be scrutiny. And I don't care who would be taken over Everton, they should be scrutinised because this is our football club. And... Talk is cheap. Let's have it right. Talk is cheap. The proof is in the pudding. So you've got to give them a, a fair crack of the whip in terms of when they acquire Everton, all being well, obviously it all goes through with the Premier League. When they acquire Everton, we have to... It's, 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 a, it's a clean slate and you have to give them a fair crack of the whip. Again, this won't be solved overnight. They're not going to come in and this is all going to be changed within six months. It's not. It just won't be. I've been told so many times by people close to 777 and people within 777, it's smart money, not big money. It's being clever. And they feel that Everton can... That, that, sorry, they feel that 777 themselves can run Everton's finances, ins and outs, a lot better than how it's been managed over recent years. They think they can maybe be smarter with the money. And and if they do come in and they stabilise the football club and they put us on a bit more of a financial even, an even keel and, you know, the losses are dramatically dropping and, and whilst being sustainable in the Premier League, then I think that's something that would have to be applauded. Because currently, right now, we're probably the, one of the worst-run clubs off the pitch in, in the league, and that's that's not an understatement. That's probably a fair assessment of, of where we're at. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. 
Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. They are saying all the right things PR-wise. But again, talk is cheap. And it's pretty easy to do that. If I was taking over Everton tomorrow, let's be honest, you'd know what to say and not what to say. It's pretty easy. As we previously said, they've got some very, very easy wins very early on. And that is involve the fans, engage with the fans, engage with groups. You know, they're already talking to the fan advisory board uh, at Everton. Um, you know, be present. That would be another thing. Be at the games as much as you can. They're already at Luton game. We said it was going to be Luton or Bournemouth and they come for the Luton game. Uh, again, they're easy wins. They are easy wins. Um, and obviously, you know, I think, again, can't speak for any Evertonian, but I would imagine most Evertonians would say the removal of Bill Kenrock would also be a very easy win. So they do have some easy wins to, 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 to get done very early on. And it would probably then give them a little bit more leeway and a little bit more time and a little bit more of a, uh, a fair crack of the whip. There are question marks and there is no doubt about that. And Josh Wonder, Don Dronsfield, and everybody else involved with 777 are experienced business people enough to know that there are question marks. There are, it's, it, you can't hide away from that. And they, 777, would like to be judged on what they're doing with Genoa in Italy because they feel that that's, they've had the longest amount of time with that club and they've controlled that club for the longest amount of time. And I, in, in reality, that's probably their flagship club in terms of the success that they've currently had with them off the pitch and how it's been managed. Um, so that's kind of their blueprint. Look what we've done there. Focus on that. Look what we've done there. Whereas if you look at obviously other football clubs, as, as we know, there are, there are a lot of question marks, a, a couple of other clubs where fans are not happy with how things are being run. But again, every club is different in football. It is. And every market is different in that then country. So coming into England, taking over a Premier League club would be their biggest ever challenge. It would be their biggest challenge to date. And the, the money involved in the Premier League obviously far exceeds all the other leagues that they're currently in. Uh, it's, a, it's a different game here. It's a different kettle of fish. So... I just think for all the scrutiny that they've got, all the criticism that they've got, and some people want them in, some people don't. You know, that's by the by, that, that's personal preferences. Are they are they the most ideal owners? I think we'd all argue no. I think that's a fair assessment. They're probably not. If you had to write your top five owners to take over Everton tomorrow, Triple Seven wouldn't be in it. And I don't think they would be naive enough to think that we would all put Triple Seven in it because that would be silly. But you've got to give them the fair crack of the whip because ultimately, mate, they're the only ones that are here. They're the only ones that have got this far with the takeover. They're the only ones that are stumping up the money and they're currently paying the bills and, and that has to be commend, you know, that's commendable. They're, they're paying the bills now on an asset that's not theirs currently. It's a future asset and they're already footing the bills. They're already making assurances. They're already saying all the right things. They're already being very, very present. They're, act they're actively talking to the likes of the fan advisory board. Um, so it's very much wait and see for me with Triple Seven. I've said that numerous times. It's very much wait and see. And I think, in my opinion, that's how it should be for everybody with a new owner coming in. It's wait and see because you just don't know. You just do not know sometimes what they're up to. You know, look at Sheffield Wednesday right now. They're in an absolute mess with their own, an absolute mess. He's calling out the fans. But when he joined, Sheffield Wednesday may have been absolutely delighted when he took over because they're excited. And look how that's now turning out. So you, you just don't know sometimes. But like I previously said, they've got, they've got to be given a fair crack of the whip and then we judge them. We, we judge them like, like if we were getting a manager. You judge them on results. And ultimately, it's the same for owners. We, we judge them on results off, on and off the pitch. Um, it's the same for Kevin Thowell. It's the same for Sean Dyche. It's the same for everyone that is employed by Everton Football Club. They should be judged and scrutinised on results because it's a results business on and off the pitch. Um, but they've got a big job, mate. They've got a really, really big job on their hands coming into Everton, a huge job on their hands. The main thing is is they 
like to employ people that are maybe uh, more skilled in those certain areas, like Don Dransfield, a very, very skilled operator. In reality, a high-class operator, world-class. Um, and, and I think acquiring him was a huge coup for them, huge. So if, if 777 come into Everton, all being well, and they feel that you know they need some expertise in another area to help because they don't currently have it within their portfolio, then I, I'm led to believe that they do do that. They're, they're happy to go out there and get that person in who has that expertise to come in and help. They don't try and do it themselves, which is, I don't think we can say that for Fahd Mashiri and Bill Kenwright. They've kind of, you know, <laughs> dragged their heels on that sort of side of the business and done it themselves when they're not really experts on on certain things. And they've kind of tried to just get by and that's not enough in the Premier League. Um, so let, let, for me, it's, it's, it's very much wait and see, Ben, for me. Very, very much wait and see. Um, but there's a lot of apprehension around Triple Seven, and rightly so. Right, there should be, yeah. just as there should be with anybody yeah. taking over our football club. There should be apprehension, um, and there should be scrutinised. They should be looked at, but they should be given a fair crack of the whip. In my opinion, a fair crack of the whip until otherwise. That, yeah. that that's just football. That's all. We've got to have hope, haven't we? We've got to have hope in football because if we haven't got hope, then there's no point. Yeah. Uh, another question that came in on, on X or Twitter, whatever the hell it's called mm-hmm. now, is from Jack Williams. Yeah. He's asking, strongest formation, strongest 11, um, which is, you know, a really, really good question because me and you spoke at, uh, at length on the phone, especially after the Luton game on Sunday morning, and we spoke about how we like the balance of that Aston Villa cup, cup victory, the 5-4-1 formation. I'm going to probably give you your two answers here. Um, I think if we're gonna, uh, I, I I like the the five four one system. I thought we looked balanced. I thought we created loads. Obviously, Pickford in goal. You'd probably have to pay play your your three centered halves and Branfway Tarkovsky, and you'd probably say um, that Michael Keane in like a low block three would have to probably play Mikalenko as like your left wing back. Uh, you could have Ashley Young as your left wing back potentially. Nathan Patterson right wing back, and then you're probably looking at. Jack Allison on the right, McNeil on the left. Um, then your two in the middle would be, for me, Onana and James Garner. I'd drop uh, Adris Garner again to Corey with Dominic Calvert-Lewin up front. That's one system that I think mm. would probably work. I think the other one for me would be the four-two-three-one system, which I think the likes of, I, I said on the last square pegs round holes um, that Marco Silva used to play that he did get quite heavily criticised for, but I do think we've got the players to play that now. Um, so uh, it's so hard, isn't it? Because Nathan Patterson is the one. So Pickford in goal. I think Ashley Young was that bad against Luton that I'd probably pick Nathan Patterson at right back. Um, Bramfway, Tarkovsky, Michalenko left back for balance. You two, again, I'd probably say O'Nana and James Garner. Mm-hmm. Jack Harrison on the right, McNeil on the left. And I'm going to throw a bit of a, a spanner here. Dan Juma behind DCR. What, what, what are your thoughts, Bobble? They're, they're my two I like options. I, I, I like the thought of McNeil, Dan Juma, Harrison, Calvert-Lewin, because those four are, are, are attack-minded. And I don't think Everton have enough attackers on the pitch at times. I think, you know, against Luton, we had four defenders and four central midfielders. When including Pickford, that's nine players that are in reality are not really forward-thinking. That's nine out of your 11. That 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 is, that's stupid. That's very, very silly. Um, and I do think if Everton were going to go to the four-two-three-one formation, where you had Dan Juma, say Dan Juma down the middle, McNeil, Harrison, and Calvert-Lewin, I would argue that the back four is pretty rigid because let's be honest, our fullbacks don't really get beyond the halfway line. And then with the Onana and James Garner sitting, there's enough there to still be solid structurally and have enough about us not to get counted on, not enough to, you know, to concede a hatful of chances. There should be enough there. Plus, added into the fact that Harrison and, McNeil will, Harrison and McNeil will come all the way back with you as well. Um, so I'd argue that there is enough there. And I think if, if if someone like Martinez was in charge of Everton now, or even Marco Silva, I would think that's what they would probably go with. They would go with something like that, personnel-wise. Maybe a, one or two changes, but they, they would go with something like that. Um, but, but Deutsch isn't as brave as that. He's not as forward-thinking as that. And we knew that when we hired Sean Dyche, that, that he's not as brave going forward than, than maybe some of the previous managers have been at Everton, which has obviously maybe accounted for their downfall. 
Um, but I would like to see something like that. Yeah, I'd, I'd like us to give a few more, you know, at, give the opposition a few more questions to answer. I don't feel like we give them enough questions during games. Um, and I do feel with like McNeil, Dan Juma, Harrison, Calvert-Lewin, I think there's enough there to create problems for teams. There's enough pace there. There's enough energy there. Maybe, maybe not a, a maybe not an abundance of creativity, but you'd like to think that Dan June maybe can get on the ball a bit more, and and McNeil can be sometimes quite creative. Harrison a little bit creative. You get what I mean. There's not a ton of creativity. There's maybe not someone there's going to be unlock a pass like an Odegaard, but nevertheless, there's enough there to trouble teams. Um. So yeah, I can see why people would want a four-two-three-one system. Yeah, and and like you say, with Onana and say James Garner sitting, Garner could collect the ball off the back four. Onana can be a little bit more marauding or a little bit sit deep, whatever you choose to do with him. I think there would be enough there to not allow Everton to be structurally weak, to be structurally, you know, uh, to be get at, you know, got at structurally. Yeah, I, I can see, I can see the pro with that. Yeah, I can. But again, we, we knew what we were getting with Deitch and, and he's not as brave as that. He's not. He's really, really not. Um, if you're going to go for a flat back four, this is another problem that we have at Everton. Obviously, the fullbacks, uh, they, they are an issue. And, and, and I know it's like banging the, the, the same drum all the time, but they are an issue. They are because modern day football now, your fullbacks can't, you know, they need to offer something going forward. And be decent defensively. I'd say our fullbacks are the worst. Yeah, and, and I, I really and, would. Yeah, I know you would, and, and I can see, <laughs> and I can see why you say that. I really, really can, and, and it's hard. It's really, really hard. And you know, Mikalenko is, is is half decent defensively, but going forward, it, it's it's very, very poor. It's, Aston it's, Villa at home, ten wins on the bounce. Yeah, Matty Cash, yeah. Luca Dean, and and, and I, I remember Ben. <laughs> so I remember talking about Matty Cash when he was at Forest. You know, you, I, did, you know, yeah. I know Matty Cash, and I remember saying. Brilliant fullback. He, he, he's decent defensively, and he's even better going forward. And they're the sort of players you need. Um, Baines was decent defensively, but excellent going forward. You need your fullbacks to offer something, offer some width, get on the overlap. Um, but then the issue is on the other side. You know, Patterson in a flat back four is very weak defensively, and gets caught out a lot. And he has already been caught out a lot this year in a back four. But he offers a little bit more going for not going for, but he is willing to maybe get beyond the winger and get beyond the halfway line. Whereas Ashley Young, in reality, he can't do that anymore. Uh, and then you're asking a lot for Seamus Coleman to still do that at his age as well. So fullbacks are an issue. They are an issue. Um, and if you do, if you do have wing, if you do have fullbacks that are willing to to get beyond the halfway line, it don't half make a difference. You know, you, your whole team can get up five, ten yards a little bit more. When your centre half has the ball, when you if you know if the, if the camera's looking at me here, if you if your two centre halves, if your two centre halves are here and you have got the ball, y your fullbacks can be up here, ready to receive the ball. So they're beyond the halfway line, but our fullbacks end up pretty much level with the back two either side. So it's it's the, the, the wingers that have to drop five as well, and everyone has to shuffle back five yards, and and that can sometimes be an issue. Um, but yeah, going forward, the fullbacks, it's got to be addressed very soon in one of these windows. It's got to be addressed. And I would argue the left-back position has got to be addressed. And that's no slight on Mikalenko. Um, but when you are so lacking in, in creativity at times under a Deitch team, if Deitch is going to stay as manager, of course, and you know we are where we are, we need as much width as we can. We need a little bit more creativity where we can. And do you know what, Ben? I would argue we need our fullbacks to be quite pacey and quite leggy. And none of our fullbacks are quick. They're not quick. No, they're, they're not. not quick. Patterson's not quick. Young's not quick. Coleman's not quick. Mikalenko's not quick. We we need some pace in our fullbacks as well going forward. Um, so yeah, if you're going to go for a flat back four, which obviously Deitch is persisting with at the moment, bar that Villa game, I'm always worried about the fullbacks, mate. I'm always always a little bit sceptical of that. Another question coming in is about the what ifs. Yeah, Sean Dyche is ultimately sacked. I'm just. While we're on the podcast now, I'm just having a little scour, you know, of the managers who are... It's quite a good selection of free agents. I thought this. Um, yeah. You look through, you look at, obviously, you know, Lopetegu, yeah. what's his name? You, you're Lopetegu, better with that. yeah, Lopetegu. Yeah, so he, he's, an, he's, he's about, you know, yeah. Hansi Flick. Yeah. 
um, Gallardo, Marcelino, yeah. Graham yeah. Potter. Yeah. Um, Big Gl- names there. Oliver Glasner from yeah. uh, Frankfurt manager. Yeah. His name's there. Like He was really good, actually. Yeah. Gautier, who was obviously yeah. PSG yeah. before he ultimately... There's a good list... <laughs> Of managers out there, but ultimately it's it's getting the managers in. I, I know who your favourite would be, but obviously for the listeners, who who would you go and get if you know? How do I, if we could attract, because I think it's going to be hard to who get. Do you any, think my favourite is? I, I think it's going to be the ex Wolves manager. I think he's pretty good. Yeah, I do <laughs> think he's pretty good. I do think he's pretty good. Yeah, and and I've got people, obviously friends at Wolves at staff at staff level there, and they were gutted when he left. Absolutely gutted. They said he was a top top fella top bloke and really really good on the training ground um he was told you know he was given promises that were not kept and he was lied to that was his argument you know he told that he'd have money to spend and then he got told he wouldn't be having money to spend then he got told he could have loans and free agents and he got told he couldn't have that either then he got told a player a big player would have to be sold and he got told that a number of players would have to be sold and obviously he then lost trust in the ownership and, and walked um there are some really, really big names there that are available. There, there are, and they're out there. But it, one, it goes back to would you, would they fancy it? Would any of them want to come to Everton, given the predicament we're in? Two, how much would they want to come to Everton? Uh, but the the only issue I have with some of those names, Ben, is there. They are the Premier League is a different animal to any league. I don't care what anyone says. If a manager can do it in Spain, it doesn't mean he can do it in the Premier League. It doesn't mean it. It doesn't. It also doesn't mean if he's done it in France and Germany, he can do it in England. It does. Sometimes it will work, of course, and they can do it. Sometimes they can't do it. Sometimes they can't do it. It's a different game in the Premier League. You know, I speak to a lot of professionals in the game, and they always say people that have come from Europe or, or even further afield, it's a different game here. Completely different game. And that is always my worry. But that, that's not a reason not to employ a European manager or manager that's not coached in the Premier League before. But that is always a slight doubt in my mind. You know, is he going to be able to transition into a Premier League manager? Because it is very, very difficult to do that. You'd, you'd arguably want those sort of managers to have a pre-season to settle in. Look at the Bournemouth manager. Come in with a fantastic resume. Top manager. Everyone raves on about him. What a coup for Bournemouth. I'm, I hasn't, hasn't got a yeah. win. What does that tell you? It's not easy. It's really, really not easy to and do. Then Gary O'Neill's beating City. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> see what I mean? it's not easy. No. So that's always my worry when we, when you know, when clubs do get a manager who maybe abroad or a little bit more unproven. Is he going to be able to do the transition into the Premier League? Is he going to be able to suit the Premier League? Um, but again, th- these are the calculated gambles that you have to make in football. Every every appointment is a gamble, isn't it? It is. Every appointment is a gamble, and the, there's, there's no hiding from that. Hiring Sean Dyche was a gamble. It's a gamble. Everything is a gamble in football. Um, but again, I, I just feel with Dyche, I, I do think he, he he deserves the Bournemouth game. I know yeah. his home form is atrocious. I know it's atrocious. But if he goes and beats Bournemouth, and I know it's an if, but if he goes and beats Bournemouth, that's three wins out of his last four. Out of Brentford, Villa, Luton and Bournemouth. It's not a bad return. It's yeah. not a bad return. Obviously, the the the, the longer term stats are not. They're not. They're quite damning, really. They're not great, especially when you look at the home form. But nevertheless, three wins in four. You would argue that Everton. You know, they're, they're in a little bit of form. Three wins from four. It's a decent return heading into the derby. Um, it's just that Luton result. It's just a. It's just a sickener. Yeah. It's an absolute sickener, and I and I do think he, he's it's it's. He needs a response Saturday. He needs a response, mate. Massively, he needs a response. And the players know that. They know it. Yeah, I think, obviously, this set of players need to... They need a bit more coaching. I think they're not... I don't think they're a bottom three side whatsoever. No, they're not. And I'd go go for a wild card that, you know, and you might think I'm absolutely mad. But there's a manager out there who's renowned for being a really good coach. He Mm -hmm. has been drummed a few times in the Premier Mm -hmm. League. And that's Ralph Hasenhutl. Yeah. You know, renowned on like the circuits in Germany mm. is like a really good coach. It's 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 a wild card, do you know what I mean? He he and he's one mm. that um, wearing me blue cap and you offer him the job, he'd probably take it. Um 
but you know, it's a completely like transitional period again. Or do you look into you the get, championship? You get, you get your shorter, you know, Schumacher at Plymouth. I was about to say Schumacher. If switches managers, you know, yeah, performing McKenna, really, yeah, really, really good. Performing really do you well. Look at those sort of managers. Um, understanding Moyes, this game, did with Moyes. Yeah, there, there's managers. There is managers out there, but it's obviously drawn them away. So. It, it's good to talk. Obviously, people have their opinions. Obviously, for the viewers, you know, the comment sections are is going to be open. Give us your thoughts or your dice in and your dice out. You know, I'd quite be interested to know your thoughts as well. And if you dice out, who would you, like, realistically want in? Because it's it's okay coming on here and say we want X, Y, and Z, but realistically, who can we bring in? Because Everton have always fallen foul of just sacking managers and then going, oh my God, we've got to now go and find a replacement. So you're ultimately scratching around the bottom of the barrel and you end up appointing another manager who doesn't quite fit the, the profile that you want. So nine managers in eight, in eight years shows you that stat to be true. So yeah, there we have it. Another Square Pegs Round Holes episode. Thank you all for joining in um, and listening and the Patreon members as always. So happy and pleased that you all continuing to support us even after the transfer window. Uh, it does mean so much, the bobble. Uh, he's busy on his articles. We've all got um, Matt writing articles for us now. They're really, really good. Matt Smith, as always, with tactical analysis. We're trying to make the channel bigger and better. So if you've got any ideas, please let us know. In the meantime, have a great week and up the toffees. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.